Business Matters in association with the ATU Donegal Faculty of Business. If you're looking to reinforce your leadership skills, ATU are offering Level 9 Executive Masters in Leadership and Innovation for private and public sector managers starting in January. Take the next step in your career and call 9186206 or email donald.hannigan at atu.ie. I'm Kieran Donald. You're welcome to Business Matters. My guest this week is award-winning knitwear designer Adele McBride. She got £3 for her first sale, a handmade rag doll at an arts and crafts fair at the age of 12, and went on to study fashion design at Limerick Technical College. Adele won the Late Late Show Designer of the Year Award in 1995, and her work takes her all over the world. Her passion for iron knitting, which she inherited from her late grandmother, who was the dressmaker and convoy, remains as strong as ever. Adele continues to design and create, and has also helped develop knitting tours in recent years. Adele, you're very welcome to Business Matters. Oh, thank you, Karen. Adele, where and when and how did it all begin for Adele McBride? Um, there's a few decades now you're taking me back there, but uh, I'm a big believer in the. Um, I'm a big believer in the child. The child becomes the influences around it. Um, Happily, in my case, uh, those were many and varied and um, grew up in um, no rose-tinted glasses here. You know, I think it's a, a wonderful place to grow up, uh, a farm. So it was um, a, a sort of a farm, let's say. My father called himself a, a hobby farmer and he'd have been known um, as a building contractor and um, all of that was a great influence. We'd have spent Sundays maybe here in Letterkenny. Um, going around building sites or not building sites as such, but there might have been. He kind of liked to keep three houses going, um, you know, one start, one middle, and, and one kind of finishing off, and that that revolved the cash flow and 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 so the home was a business environment too. And um, talk about characters coming and going, and uh, from the various suppliers. And um, it, it was good crack, but um, I went to Convoy uh, St. Bridget's National School and um, my grandmother lived in what we knew fondly as the Longlands, um, where, where my dad and his, he was the eldest of ten and mum was the eldest of nine. So I had the environment of um, of the Longlands and Convoy, which was a very, very neighbourly place and there were footpaths so you could walk to the shop and um, again there was a great business environment there because my grandmother was running a very busy uh, dressmaking studio from one of from uh, a partition part of a bedroom um, and the doorbell never stopped ringing so you might get to answer the doorbell and tell people to come back on Tuesday or come back on Thursday or you might get to sit in on um, fittings or discussions on uh, uh, patterns, design, people would bring their fabric um, so it, it, it's all wonderful memories to me but of course you're like a sponge when you're a child and you're you're just learning so much. So were you intrigued by her business? from an early stage? Looking back, I obviously was. I, I loved making things and um, I remember my mum kind of taking down 
these uh, gorgeous markers from the press and kind of giving me a heads up not to let the others know because she wanted me to do uh, a piece for a like a Texaco art competition and I was very very young but of course they were younger and the markers would have been all over the place and um, so I got to go to art college on the premise that um, my mum said let her try it for a year because she's been uh, drawing and uh, painting or whatever since before she could talk so uh, there was that creative streak and um, I'd say it was a long year (laughs) It was a big thing you had to weigh in in the early days to college Well, not at all, really. I had a situation where I I wanted to do everything, Kieran, and I still do. I loved um, English at school. I loved poetry. Oh, my goodness, still do. Can't pass a a shop. But, you know, I come back, I was telling you, I I, I was off in Portugal there and discovered an amazing new... uh, woman Portuguese poet in the Fado tradition, a bit like our trad tradition here and um, I loved history I loved local history um, another side was uh, Sunday dinner, we'd have had the Sunday dinner earlier, we'd have visited my grandmothers and my convoy grandmothers and then um, give mum a chance to get everything ready and um, you know we were, we were spoiled too with all this wonderful homemade cooking and everything. I certainly felt sorry for my children at times when their upbringing was a a bit different throughout um, my career, let's say. Um, But the Sunday debate, my father was great at. He really liked history too and he he knew how to take a rise out of anybody to get a good debate going. And I mean anybody at any level. So I got the kind of nickname at home of being the door slammer. Because at some point he would, oh, he could say something about the treaty. It should have been signed or it shouldn't have been signed or whatever way the notion took him. And, uh, it was great really because, um, publicly I would have been, I would have felt I was very a shy child, but you did develop a certain set of skills for thinking, I suppose. Did going to college in Limerick, did that help you develop? Oh yeah, so, um, I, I suppose my parents would have been, you know, very young. I was the eldest. And I'm sure there was other, there was offers on the table that might have been more straight academic than going to art college. But they never stopped, you know, they never got in the way and they were proud of all of us and our decisions. Um, and I came in here to, um, what we called the regional then, and did a course which was um, called uh, One Year Certificate in Visual Education, known as a Foundation in Art. And it is a remarkable thing. I'm not sure what versions of it are around nowadays, but you got to do uh, painting, drawing, uh, ceramics, uh, jewellery, so all the elements printmaking and that gave you some what direction you want to specialize and and my thoughts were always around fine art and teaching art really and just I, I love to paint quite simple and uh, Eddie O'Kane taught us painting and Eddie was a wonderful he was a great teacher Eddie Cavancore High CE he was very patient and he, he 
he would have introduced me through things he saw in my work to uh, Magritte, the surreal artist from Belgium. And he, you know, something I was painting up Letterkenny Street, he'd say, this reminds me. And things like that influenced my design work through life. Um, but during that uh, year, I discovered that there was such a thing as studying fashion design and I was already making my own clothes. I'd been making clothes for, um, particularly my brother Danny was my kind of um, test, little test person because he was six years younger. So as my knitting skills improved between the ages of five and 12 and 14, he was uh, the, the right size to, um, and in fact, uh, was one of my best customers um, through life. Um and making it never occurred to me actually that making clothes or to study fashion or um I, I, I didn't know there was such a thing particularly and um that took me to limerick i never looked back after that yeah. so what was your first job when you finished up in limerick <laughs> it was my first job i think um Having a job was something. I had my first craft fair at the age of 12 and rode in all the other brothers and sisters and we made a grand total of 30 pounds. And I had some, some aunts of mine who were always great supporters to, um, not to say fight over a rag doll, but I started to take rag doll orders based on my number one rag doll that night. And the rag doll business ran until I was maybe 16, 17. Um, and that made efficient use of all my grandmother's leftovers. She was dressmaking until she um, passed away at 83. And what was my next job? At 13, I worked at the um, in the uh, um, the Finn Valley. No, I, I worked in Straban in a chip shop, belonging to Patrick Hoyle from Bally Buffet. So that was a summer job. At thirteen, um, I if if anyone has ever come into an interview with me for a job and they've worked in a chip shop, they jump to the top of the queue. I know they know how to plan out orders and plan out a system. Um, what else um, at art college? Well, you're talking now about the recession of the eighties. So when I went to Limerick in eighty three, eighty four, things were things were good at home. Um, work-wise and at the end of that summer I remember I think my father must have had the pickup at the first pickup in maybe Ireland um, a Peugeot pickup because he was very influenced by American culture particularly Western and this pickup was in order forever so we were in the famous pickup driving um, into Derry just the two of us he must have had that planned um, because he started to explain to me about how much work had gone wrong and this extraordinary amount of money that he thought might never come in from various building projects. And I remember him saying, there's five after you. So um, I think he was kind of telling me, you know, the game was up in a way to do with uh, being away and supporting that anyhow. How did you feel about that? Um... I remember being very calm and just taking it at face value and obviously believing it. I suppose as a 18, 19 year old, you're, um, 
I know well because I have one at home. So your thoughts are to yourself. I wasn't saying, oh, let me think, could I get a job locally and help the family income? You know, that didn't occur. It, it, I always think something will happen. Something will work out. And at times when people think I'm crazy, which has happened, and I kind of explain it like if you give me a two-gallon bucket and I want to put three gallons of something into it, I nearly believe it'll fit, you know? So what did happen and what kicked in was I got a letter from somebody I never heard of in my life and they explained a situation in Limerick where uh, a physiotherapist who had been attending their mother to do what she had a broken leg uh, knew of me because I had been living out in a little country house um, nine miles from the art college and she had come across me as a neighbour and saw that I was very much uh, all about work and the, the degree or whatever I was on I was completely focused on that and the connection she made was these people wanted someone to live with their mum because she lived in a very big old house uh, down on an avenue. It had a lot of um, antiques and famous art and things and it was kind of the craziest thing. But I think about this now because I think about the situation students are in and if there was some way we could connect people, you have people that are uh, living in maybe big properties. Um, the arrangement we made, I went to visit this lady who was called, um, I just called her Mrs. Um, Barkley Russell. She would sign sometimes Mrs. B.R. Um, her name was Kathleen. And um, sometimes she would someone might refer to her as English and she would say I will have you know I'm 10th generation Irish so her she grew up in Cork and um, she would have been in her 70s at this stage remarkably independent woman drove a Vauxhall Viva and my arrangement was I had kind of my own apartment upstairs my own back door key which was about eight-inch long Torquay <laughs> and um, it was a, an amazing place for an art student to be lying, living you know just going back you know when you mentioned your first fair at 12 so if you do the sums it's 45 years ago so even back <laughs> even back then you know you you really were focused on what you what you were able to achieve or what you thought you could achieve yeah, it's the child thing again. Well, thanks very much, Kieran. Yes, I'm exactly the same age as The Sound of Music. Um, and the musical is on the week after Christmas in Dublin. I'm going to have to get to that. So there's a hint for the Christmas presents. Um, yeah, I, I, I often wonder, you know, it is a big debate, entrepreneurship. Is it, can you teach it? Or is it there? And I think the childhood situation and what you're exposed to and I mean what you can be exposed to is as hunger and deprivation and that can ignite amazing entrepreneurship um, I think there certainly has to be uh, 
a want or a longing or a need. You know, I, I don't think being a spoiled child that has everything is going to ignite that spark. So there was there was um, all the right conditions there, and the situation was that we we would go we would get these few days to Dublin in August, and we would stay at my Aunt Frida's in Drogheda, and there would be a day at the horse show that was very dad and mum related and that was amazing too um, and there was a day at Butlins and then maybe a day um, at the zoo or shops or whatever and um, the funds you know we would be kind of challenged to come up with our own spending money a bit and I had lots of arts and crafts from um, we had great teachers at Convoy National School Mrs. Logue, Mrs. Surplus um, we, we had great arts and crafts instruction um, there and I had lots of things made and my sisters were really good at baking and cooking so I said they they got a stall set up with the, the cakes and buns and my brother Jay who's um, a, a, a founder and partner of McBride Brothers Joinery Jay next to me was making various things out of uh, woodwork and and that and at the time it was quite funny because Danny was about five and he um, he, he was kind of crying that he had nothing to sell and um, he I got him to gather uh, bundles of kindling and the story that transpired later is he had these bundles of kindling by the fireplace, but he resold them because people would say they'd collected at the end of the evening, and he just kept reselling when some of my aunts went to collect um, their kindling to bring home. The, 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 he had sold it a number of times. So he he was really, you know, a great entrepreneur, and it was there in that five-year-old. Um, and yeah, I, I think the good move out of the Arts and Crafts Fair was that I realised that while I'd sold one ragdoll for three pounds, that hold on a minute, you know, there's a demand here. <laughs> there's a demand. Let's let's solve this. And I suppose that, in a way, is I'd see my work in what I have always done. Um, it wasn't just about making clothes, which is wonderful, or coming up with new ideas. The essence of design is solving problems. Like, I will look at things like door handles. I can't stand most of them. They catch on your clothes, they're awkward things. So my mind doesn't ever really go through a door without having done a full analysis and maybe an improvement spec for the door handle. Does that make any sense? It does. You know, your work has taken you to different places. Can you talk to me a bit about your travels and your work? Yeah, I think at this stage of things, you have the benefit of realising you can explain what's been going on a bit more. And by that I mean my work has been the best part of it, has always been about connecting to people. So even the people that I did foundation art with at 17 here um, in Letterkenny, um, five of those people I'm still in touch with and in fact work with even up to yesterday. Um in terms of people I've met traveling, like 
I suppose the most consistent place I've gone back to is Milwaukee, which started in 2011. Um, and I'm in touch with people there. So I think the, the best life you can have is connection to what I would call great people and people that connect with you in different ways, both personally and work-wise. Um, and the other way I see things is I met a designer recently called Bruce Mao, and he's a major thinker. He started out in graphic design, but he's redesigned countries that have asked him, could you please redesign our country things? And his approach to everything is about empathy. And I often found it interesting that in many, many years of doing custom-made clothing, that um, there was a, a very strong relationship between what you were doing for a person. Um, it wasn't about people might have approached you with a list of negativity about themselves. Um, I'd like this, but you know, I'm too short. I'm, I'm, I'm too tall. I'm too short. I'm too thin. I'm too fat. I'm too this. I'm too that. And it was like, wow. So that's back to the problem solving. And this is why I loved because what I was making wasn't a dress. It was a set of confidence. You know, it was a suit of confidence. Or Is that the approach you take to every garment that you make? Everything I make is a combination of a story in some format. Like today I'm wearing um, a hand-knit iron sweater. Um, the yarn in this sweater was spun and dyed um, in Kokar. Now, right back somewhere there, you asked me about a first job after art college in 86. With the hindsight of time, too, I realized that myself and some friends from art college were in a very lucky position to be offered jobs and had choices of jobs because everyone else I came across had emigrated in some form, mostly to America. And... I had I was offered a couple of things. One was in Italy, which I strongly considered, and one was in Kilcar in Donegal, and that's where I went. I went to Kilcar, and I worked there designing and writing knitting patterns for their yarn products at the time. Another relationship that I've kept through the years. Um, and then back to what I'm wearing now, the importance of hand knit for me has been a bit of um I wouldn't just call it a passion project, but it's certainly um hand knitting is slow. It's a craft. How long did it take you to complete a, a jumper like this also depends on the skill level. Um so my fastest iron to ever make was a sample for a shop in New York. And I made it in three days. And I've probably done that a few times, three days. So something like this is, I'd have to say, 40 hours work. Um, Sorry, could you talk me through the process from the very start of one of your creations to the next? I've been 
packaged and sent away? So, to have a business, you need to have a range of product. And for many, many years of the business, when I have been employing quite a number of people, maybe, and we had quite a, a large situation going at Convoy Mill for 15 years, from 1993 to 2008, um, the process would have involved hand knitting, machine knitting, crochet, what we call linking, which is putting it together. And before that, you have the design process and the development of that on site and the sales and marketing process, which involved 22 years of Showcase Ireland at the RDS. The RDS seems to be a place I've spent my life going back and, back and forward to in various ways because a lot of the trade events are there. Um, and the quality control at the other side, the ticketing, the labeling, the kind of graphics around the brand, and then getting it getting it into a box, whatever, getting it to the other side. And when you dealt with wholesale, you were hoping for good um, sell-through so that things sold relatively quickly, that the shop made money, you got paid. And um, back in the day, as we would say, I mean, that was quite a nightmare because the expectations around credit terms in the whole sector and that were just astronomical and um, I remember sitting in one of the hundred times in in the bank you know begging for a higher overdraft or whatever and one manager said to me you know that list of money you're owed it was a huge amount of money if they paid you you wouldn't need us and I was looking at it thinking "Mm, but that's 30 days, they're 60 days, they're 90 days on, they might pay next year. <laughs> and, I mean, I have to say... How did it work out, that bidding? <laughs> I always managed somehow. And, I mean, there were numbers involved that nothing... I do wake up and I try to greet every day. Um, very happy to see it. And I'm very grateful. And I'm very grateful that... I was as crazy as I was through my 20s and 30s to do the things that I kind of did. And I really had an air of looking back on it, you know. And I suppose that's the entrepreneurship thing too. If you want it to happen, you know, it's the two-gallon bucket again and, and, and three gallons of water. Like, you really, it's, it's incredible what you will do to make it work. And in fact... Uh, my my classes and a lot of my current life now is about either travelling what knitting tours, um, which is wonderful. I've been in Shetland this year for nine days, um, all to do with knitting and what's incredible people. So I always want to teach that thing where, you know, if, if you ask me, what are you going to be when you grow up? I'd say I'm going to be a teacher. And I remember once my grandfather, Eddie McBride, saying he had his hopes that I would stay with. We were all in that uh, uh, fiddle class in Raffo with Tony McGranahan, and um, I was part of a little um, Achilles band um, when I was thirteen, fourteen. And it was it was never quite to be the the musical side with with any of us, I think. And I remember um, saying, "Oh." I'm, I'm going to be a teacher, and my granddad saying, um, you know, 
you're you seem to be very handy at what this woman does here, my grandmother. And there we'll take a break. Business Matters, in association with the ATU Donegal Faculty of Business. If you're looking to reinforce your leadership skills, ATU are offering Level 9 Executive Masters in Leadership and Innovation for private and public sector managers, starting in January. Take the next step in your career and call 9186206 or email donald.hannigan at atu.ie. You're welcome back. Before the break, Adele was recalling a conversation with her late grandfather when she was a young schoolgirl. You could have a great business at that. And do you see those rag dolls you're making? You could put like a clothesline up at the road and you could put them up on the clothesline and tourists would stop. And I always remember he said tourists. And I, what is a tourist? <laughs> and a tourist became a very important part of my life because... Um, in Donegal, I think we've worked um, very well to uh, promote and capture our culture and our our arts and our our skills and our trad music and our um, everything that's here. I think we've been capturing that well, and it really appeals to the right tourist that we want, the, the, you know, the culturally curious. But I think we're only 10% into what we can do in Donegal to bring that uh, person to visit here. Um, and now that's, that's essentially a big part of what I do. But that was born out of my teaching classes. So... In a way, I followed my grandfather's plan and getting back to the teaching. And when with the slowdown, like in 29, 10, I'd say in 2010, I, my business probably went eventually maybe 25% of what I had. The wholesale side was gone. A lot of the shops were gone. Um, and we were doing a show at Oakfield Park. And... Um, I, w- I was being asked a lot about classes. So I said, look, this isn't the kind type of day where people are going to try clothes on. Let's put out a couple of pages and see is anyone interested. Put crochet in one and knitting on one. And we took about 30 names that day. And I said, wait a minute here. I'm, I'm going to have to, like, jump in and do something with this. And I started a, a four-week crochet class. And I remember the nine women on it. Um, and that was the start of what became what I call Knitfield. And Knitfield was about inspiring others, passing the skills on, just teaching, look, this is how I've been making clothes for 30 years. This is how I finished them. This is how they... Um, achieve the price they do. This is how you make quality stuff, and and yeah, that did really well. And that became from 2015 on this idea that someone would want to travel to Ireland and do a specialist class. That has been something that is is growing, and it's a, it's a good business model because I know my dates. I already have. Dates between March and October next year, 23. Um, 
If you want those or dates, you can take deposits on that. It's sure business. It was all sure business up until 2020, and it disappeared for two years. Uh, largely um, American-Canadian audience, but I think I counted something like 25 different countries. People have come from uh, Syria, Greece, Mexico, Italy. Um, I remember particularly a Mexican lady who had no English, and I was teaching her iron knitting. And her swatches were the nicest in the class. So it's a very visual thing and very, very satisfying. Very too. And a lot of things come into it because people who are so interested in a skill set like that are also interested in where they are, local culture, music, food. They tend to be... Um, they want a high-end experience in, in life. And so it's, it's amazing. Tell me, Edel, in your many years in business, what is the best lesson that you've learned? I would say there probably are times I could have, um, as a writer friend of mine, she has a book called Let Go of the Ropes, Maria Shari. Um, I could have let go of the ropes myself a wee bit more, maybe um, brought in someone else in a more uh, just, um, structured way. And it, it was my plan originally. I, I had the great benefit of doing um, an entrepreneurship course at Boston College, just to jump across the water again here in 1989. And it came about through... Um, a business course I was doing at University of Ulster and 17 of us from completely different businesses were kind of uh, sent over there and assigned a particular three professors and internship work. We didn't know what an internship was here in Ireland. We might have understood work experience, but I did the internship with a... Um, a department store called Neiman Marcus. And Neiman Marcus had a book called Minding the Store written by their founder. And their training program and the Boston College training program, there was things that I really, really carried with me from all that, particularly to do with looking after the customer. Um, and I suppose my... My focus on that could be to micromanage and a lesson I would say for people is to I to bring in complementary skills or go go look for them. I've often looked at this in a way as a problem to solve for um, owner maker maker designer makers in particular. You need to be very much able to get into your flow state to do good work. And let's say you have a doorbell ringing and for cash flow reasons you have an open studio. It's very hard to do both. And while there's lots of good training uh, rolled out locally even in terms of finances, website, all of these elements. 
um, really don't try to do it all. Don't try to do it all. Bite the bullet, um, sell the TV, and hire someone who knows what they're at. But, you know, spend some serious time on research on who you're working with. Uh, because uh, relationships are very, very important to me. That thing of shared values... Um, you, you, you don't want to work on a website with somebody who's doing websites for um, huge companies and and you want to work with somebody who has an understanding of what the values of your business are. Tell me, Adele, is there a person in business that you admire most? Yeah, I'm, I'm very clear on this because they cross my mind often. Um, um, in, in different ways or I, or I see them um, I have to say there's a company that I met in Milwaukee at the close of a show what they call the scattering um, I closed my stall up packed the suitcases up and got down for the last 15 minutes of the scattering and a friend called Eileen Carpenter said Edel, of course you know Nave and John they're from Bondoran no, don't know them. And they have a company called Institute of Study Abroad Ireland. And they have a conference that's linked to an American university every January. So the next January I was over there listening to these remarkable speakers on such interesting subjects. In Bondor, they bring in a turnaround of student groups every year that's just incredible. And I was actually over there with um, a university from North Carolina last week um, because Niamh has now discovered, you know, there's that interest in textiles and the universities of textile departments, but nothing to do with that personal now business connection we made. I've just found it remarkable to follow them and their their vision for what they do and the amount of people they're bringing into Donegal uh, as a retailer. My favourite retailer, um, and I haven't had... Shops over the years and still been part of the um, very, very busy now collective at the Craft Village in, in Derry, number 19. So I have a great admiration because retail's tough. That's really, you're really at the cold face of everything there. And having that unique and happy uh, uh, retail um, place for people to visit I, I have to say like Francis Spears and I always say if, if I won the lotto I'm just going to go and work at Morn Antiques just for free just to be there um, and then of course she has Amelia's promoting Irish craft and I just think she's a, a champion for what the street looks like take those two amazing places off Letterkenny Street and the other reason I park up there is McGee's Chemist of course but um, it, it, it's just I think people that have something as wonderful as that which is almost like an art gallery to go into more antiques and, and to be inspired there they, they should almost be paid or something you know just to do that um, and then I, I have to say my brothers from my brother Danny and Jay started you know, my mum talks about a night she went to bed in tears because um, I was forever and Jay had gone off in the 80s to London and Danny, who was probably 16, had followed him and and that was it then, you know, she would have still had the mindset of they're gone and they, to watch them over the years 
go from the back street, you could say, to do all the work they do and to do all the heritage work. Uh, actually, to see Danny be someone who was just quite business focused and just wanted the job done and just wanted to, you know, just get the nails into it. And it's grand to become a very, very um, a, a connoisseur, really, of heritage work and then produce that work like for in London and in France and um, to see how the business survived through the, you know, brutal recession and how they managed all that. So I have to say I'm a big admirer of, um, we lost Danny in, in January, um, which is just disastrous. But, you know, Jay is there. My younger brother, Carl Emmett, is there. Um, Danny's sons, um, my Aunt Dorothy, there's um, a, a, a you know, an extended workforce there that have been really what them. Another thing, you know, that's not easy done to keep that uh, workforce and keep that uh, team together. And, you know, what? on a different playing field then, um, I must say, uh, Sir Jerry Robinson was somebody who... Um, I was very lucky to meet on a number of occasions and he was a remarkable um, observer. Of course, he was an artist, so a remarkable um, listener. He sat at Convoy Mill one day when Samantha, his um, daughter, I had art exhibitions there too, and um, he sat outside with an order book that I have going through the orders for fabric from Convoy Mill and with the greatest interest. But the first time I came across him, he was doing a talk at McGee College and I went into it and he said he was asked to talk about leadership and he wasn't really sure what shape that should take, but he had seven points on leadership. And I somehow managed to write legibly that day a little bit but I pretty much remember those points. I remember a couple of them. And, you know, I've been able to call them to mind. So I think that's that's an amazing speaker because all speakers can be interested in why they're speaking. And if you asked me what they said two days later, um, it's gone. Um, oh, sure, you, you could have had me here. I was at the Web Summit in Lisbon at the start of November. And um, I'm, I'm very, very interested in where things are going to do with, particularly, you know, fashion is a massive polluter. 10% of um, carbon um, emissions are uh, 10% is the result of the fashion industry. Um, we are producing 150 billion tons of fashion, half of which is in landfill within the year. Um, so there was... Um, a lot of very, very great speakers at the Web Summit on all of these environmental subjects. And of course, because tech is rowing in with all kinds of solutions. And so Patty Cosgrave, the Wicklow um, entrepreneur who founded the Web Summit, um, basically from the corner of his bedroom in 2009-10, from, you know, again, a, a spark of an idea 
because of a couple of um, a couple of folks that were going to be in Dublin at something else, and he thought if I could get them to this hotel and and to be over there and seventy one thousand people from countries everywhere, um, thousands of startups. Um, it, it's really quite quite the feat, and of course. Um, He's always wearing a nice wee bit of Donegal um, made um, hand knitting. So we can talk about that another time. So he's been a big champion for traditional crafts. And the interesting thing is, a lot of tech is, there's a lot of great projects going on to do with solar systems in India with communities. Um, Lego is doing a lot of there's a lot of crossover so um, I find that whole um, idea that you could start um, a you know a conference that's really quite small and that it becomes so relevant to so many to everyone really um, and if I'm allowed one more through uh, a curveball um, about I said six or seven years ago, um, my youngest was dragged to, um, not dragged, he went down to the Finn Valley AC one night because his friend said this would be a bit of crack this evening. And somebody saw him go over a high jump or something, a pair of football boots and ten layers of clothes on him. And um, actually, Darren Foy caught a photograph and he sent me the photograph and, well, he... I think Patsy McGonigal saw him and said, "Who's that lad? Bring him back!" And he's been nearly living at this, living there since. So, as a result of that, and his interest through sport, which had taken my life a, a different uh, road, literally up and down to Tullamore and Athlone and uh, here and there, and not at every event. Now, I'm not going to claim that, but it was all kind of new to me, um, and to see how. Um, Patsy McGonigal talks to the young kids and, you know, in particular and that, um, that great energy and passion and, um, it's, it's, it's so amazing. And he obviously believes in, you know, that, you know, the child as well. That child can do anything it sets its mind to. And the limitations are, you know, the world is, puts the limitations in front of them then. So, um, Finally, Adele, what does the future hold for yourself and your business? Okay. Um, the, business, the business plan now and the business model. When I went back in May to teach the first tour group, which had booked in 2019, and here they were arriving in May 22. I kind of had a panic about it from January because I didn't know what I was going to say to them. I knew I used to do this very well and people seemed to be very happy, but I kind of felt I lost my, uh, lost my mojo some way. And from that first class in May right through to the end of October, I couldn't wait to get back in once I got the, the ruin cut again on it. So I just want way more of that. Like I, I, I'm already booked the week out in Milwaukee next August. There's a number of tours booked in from May onwards. We're hoping to do something locally last week of March. I want to bring way more people in for the Donegal experience. 
I have um, friends. I work closely with um, people on the Aran Islands and all over the country. And while I'm happy to promote Ireland, I think... Um, I think Donegal even has a great team working, things like the Buy Donegal campaign, which um, which works well alongside Made Local. Um, I'm part of the a board, I suppose you have to call it, of the Design and Crafts Council of Ireland now. So the, the, my interest in crafts and design is something I can now bring voice on um, for the next few years, hopefully. Um, if I'm being useful there and so yeah it's quite an exciting portfolio I would call it of work and of course I'm still making and selling um, and trying to capture that information and some of the archive information on that into, into books basically award winning knitwear designer thanks for taking the time today to talk to us on Business Matters it's been my pleasure, Kieran. Thank you so much. Well, that's it for this edition of Business Matters. Thanks to my guest, Edel McBride. Thanks to Kenneth Wilson on sound. And thanks to you for listening. If you'd like to get in touch with the programme, drop an email to businessmatters at highlandradio.com. Business Matters, in association with the ATU Donegal Faculty of Business. If you're looking to reinforce your leadership skills, ATU are offering Level 9 Executive Masters in Leadership and Innovation for private and public sector managers, starting in January. Take the next step in your career and call 9186206 or email donald.hannigan at atu.ie.